This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potterwich to the north, Jawajali to the east, Bowendick to the south and Meetung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge Elders past and present and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to The Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast and Western Victoria. I'm your host, Meg Bell, and today I'm here with Sherwood farmer Charlie Crozier and the University of Adelaide Associate Professor Dr Forbes Bryan. Forbes is an experienced researcher and research manager in animal sciences based at the University of Adelaide's Roseworthy campus. He's currently focused on researching genetic improvement of lamb survival and improving the use of pregnancy scanning in ewes. Charlie has been farming for about 25 years east of Keith in the Sherwood district. Charlie's been running Clean Skin Sheep for about 20 of those years, a decision which allows his business to diversify by working off farm if necessary. Charlie's got a background with industry organisations, having worked as the Executive Officer for Lucent Australia and also as a Project Officer and the Chief Executive Officer of MacKillop Group. Welcome, Forbes and Charlie. Thanks for being here. Charlie, tell us a bit about how you first got into farming. Well, I suppose, like everything, if you are born into a family of farmers, you probably tend to stay in that role. I had opportunities to step outside, and it's in the blood. It's it's usually there to stay, which is good or bad, whichever way we look at it. Tell us a little bit about your farming business as it stands now. As it stands now, Meg, look, we've been in the clean skin industry for 20 years, which is a reasonably long time, I suppose, we're learning all the time about um, how to manage those type of animals, um, three lambings in two years. It's about trying to get efficiencies in our business so that it can free up time to be working outside of our farm and things like that. Probably four years ago, when once we had the fire go through, that sort of changed things. We had to get back to core business or rebuild, so we're probably starting to get out the other end of all that now it's been very much about surrounding ourselves with the appropriate managers and as well to help because we're in such a small business one person can't be expected to be good at everything so that's been an important part of the rebuild tell us a little bit about your journey from when you first took over the farm while we're working with your family and how you got to where you are now late 80s when I left school was encouraged to go away from farming but had the opportunity to be involved in the industry if I wanted to be and I I did want to be involved with the industry mum and dad were very good they set down criteria of you've got 10 years to go away you need to go and work for other people you need tertiary work study and I went to New South and spent six years over there jackarooing and studying through uh, University of Sydney and came home with a degree and a whole heap of uh, new skill set from the the merino industry and then also I worked in regional development for a period when I first came back before we transitioned and had the opportunity to start our own business within farming we had access to the land Uh, mum and dad had other things they wanted to do with life so the timing was pretty good and in that first few years it was 
still running Merinos and I suppose I got to the stage I got I, I you know reserve price scheme had finished and all those sort of things so it was very much down to nuts and bolts of dollars and cents and interest rates and everything else and yeah just a commercial decision to go down the the clean skin path which was pretty out there um, back then but also I could see a problem with shearers back then so of lack of supply and everything else so a little bit early to call it but that Here must have served you well for the last couple of years, particularly. <laughs> it has. It, it, I do see a huge opportunity in that in that side of the industry, but it's not for everyone. You've got to be prepared to change um, from what you know as uh, as probably traditional sheep farmers. The Sherwood area has got quite a lot of cropping and a lot of mixed farming enterprises as well. So, can you tell us a bit about? What made you decide that you didn't want to be doing too much of the cropping side and wanted to focus on the sheep? I suppose, you know, if you look back to early days of Sherwood, edge of the 90-mile desert, trace element deficiencies, non-wetting sand, but we do have clay. So clay spreading's revolutionised that country probably for the last be 30 years probably most people have been involved with that sort of side of things and grazing had probably been quite prominent in the early days and then more cropping started especially once the worked out the non-wetting sands and reducing the frosting with the clay spreading host of things so a lot of people have diversified into more cropping and that's convenient we've probably done that through contract work and off farm or getting people to do it for us we're just you either want to graze or you want to crop I suppose and uh, the passions in in growing grass and chewing it. Forbes you've been involved in a project to improve the use of preg scanning working with sheep farms and contractors tell us a bit about the project. In South Australia we at University of Adelaide we were very lucky to have a bequest by J.S. Davies back in the late 60s and that's allowed the university to form uh, Davies Livestock Research Centre. And for the last probably five, six years, we've been hosting annual meetings where people come together to talk about developing projects. And it was at one of those uh, meetings back in 2018 that I sat down with a, a group of livestock consultants, deliberately so, not, not just to around myself by other researchers, and uh, our focus was about sheep reproduction, but we, we kind of posed the question, what's the single piece of work that we could do that would have the most impact on lamb survival and sheep reproduction, both for South Australia and, for that matter, around Australia? And the almost unanimous answer was we'd really like to encourage more people to tailor their nutrition of ewes particularly pregnant ewes, to how many foetuses they're carrying or litter size. And the reason for that is that as you go from singles to uh, twin bearing and multiple bearing ewes, the energy and protein requirements of that ewe goes up quite considerably, like it's about 15% at about in, in sort of the start of the third part of pregnancy, blows out to about 25% at lambing twin versus a, a single and it's more so with triplets. It's pretty important from a lamb survival point of view and, and in fact the survival of the ewe, get that as right as you can. And 
you know, maybe it's a bit of a no-brainer, but really the only way to be sure that you know what is on board that you is to pregnancy scan for the size. So that's really where the basis of the project came from. We've built other parts around it. We've also consulted a lot of other people and included producer groups like McKillop and Barossa Improved Grazing Group and in the Barossa and also Merino Link in New South Wales in the project and put a convincing case to MLA and AWI. They're both, both actually funding the project. The main focus of the project is real around the business case for scanning uh, because survey work has shown us that the people who aren't scanning, they don't, they don't buy the fact that there's a business case there, so that we're putting a lot of eggs into that, but also working very closely with uh, pregnancy scanners and trying to understand their challenges and needs and then design resources to target those particular needs. Can you tell us a little bit about the actual business case? What's the project showing so far? And how might some of the work that you've been doing be used by farmers in our area? The business case, we've ended up dividing it into really about three different ways that pregnancy scanning can be used. The first one wouldn't surprise you, and that, that's how a lot of people start in scanning, and that is uh, scanning for pregnant or empty, or wet and dry, as some people call it, although we prefer to call it pregnant versus non-pregnant. And then the second case, which is probably the main one, is around scanning for litter size or multiples. And basically that's to allow animals to have, going to have twins or multiples to get more of the feed that's on offer through Taylor making the feed to, to those groups by separating them after scanning time. And there's also a lot of other advantages too for you know, the animal, the health of the ewe and so on. And then the third type was really around what, what are other benefits from scanning and particularly there things like fetal ageing which is becoming increasingly popular in some parts, particularly some of the pastoralists for instance probably are doing that more so than scanning for, for litter size because they can sharpen up their management groups and so on based on age of, age of the fetus. So that's where the business case is. The major part of the business case of course well does it pay and there was some earlier work done in fact there have been a number of studies over the years which showed some benefit for scanning but not not a big benefit so we've updated it with well, more up to date prices for meat and lamb and so on but not the most huge prices that are being paid just recently but looking over say the last five six seven years and on average the profit from scanning for multiples is about $5.75 per year scanned. That's taking account for the fact that scanning is not absolutely perfect, like the agreement between lambing records and scanning is not perfect, and that's not just scanning error, that's also error not identifying the lambs that were born dead or die soon and then got taken away by a fox. But even for scanning pregnant and non-pregnant, you know, there's about a $3.30 profit in there. But if we update those prices to January 22, profit is about $10 per use scanned if we're scanning for multiples. That's not to say that scanning itself is profitable. You need to take action from the scanning information to get the benefits. So we're talking about Taylor making the, uh, the feeding to multiple bearing use and... You could even use 
advantages of the better paddocks for the multiple bearing ewes and maybe lamb in smaller mobs if, if you've got you know quite a lot of twin bearing ewes or even triplets together so there's a whole raft of benefits that uh, contribute to that profit figure so if someone is listening to this and thinking gee 10 bucks sounds pretty good i haven't scanned before but i'm really keen to get started what would you recommend that they do what's their first port of call or, or what's a way that they can help to sort of implement scanning and some of those management changes down the track that might help their business one good way to get started i mean if they've got if they know a, a local scanner or something is to try and book in early and and make sure that you're scanning at an appropriate time and generally it's in that roughly about around sort of 80 days to 90 days of fetal life or you know 80 or 90 days after conception which if you're thinking in terms of weeks it's around that sort of eight weeks thereabouts after after the rams go in and you want to be you know roughly that time on average but in terms of starting maybe you don't have to do your whole mob maybe you could just do your maidens just to get used to the idea of scanning and then what information you can use then to implement on your farm talk to other people who are scanning work out what they do even the scanners themselves have quite a bit of information that's partly what we're doing with this project to give them better resources too for their clients so they'll have a lot of information available to them or can recommend someone to talk to. Charlie, you've been preg scanning for your farm business for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about how you, in your opinion, it's benefited your business or or if you've got some numbers around them too. It's even more so in our business where we can't just leave them in there and we'll get a fleece of wool off them. That's not an option. So baggage is money as far as I'm concerned. Probably we've only tended to be doing pregnant and non-pregnant because we're keeping the ewes separate for single and twinning from a rotational grazing point of view has just been challenging. We've tried branding and the, the ewes have only got so much real estate on their ears for tagging and that. So hence why EID is going to be really good for us moving forwards in that opportunity. Also, I think the scanning point of view it's just a no-brainer. The sixty, eighty dollar, whatever it is, ahead is well worth it. From our point of view, it gives us options that we can push those ewes back to adjoining later if we want to, depending on their age. Then, young ewe, maiden ewes, well, we we might spin them again. I can really see, and again, this is that takes time to keep developing your business, I suppose, and th- having that information technology available to us is going to allow us to you know i can't wait to start fetal aging and that sort of stuff that that's probably in the next stages for us but have you been doing anything else on farm to help improve lamb survival so scanning is obviously one tool that you're using have you been implementing any other strategies yes definitely meg wind the clock back six or seven years for us and I touched on it before where, you know, we've had an agronomist for 20 years. We haven't been using a nutritionist, animal nutritionist for 20 years, unfortunately. But in the last six or seven years we have been, and part of it's been surrounding ourselves with these 
these people with the, the knowledge and the expertise and start targeting those one two percent pickup opportunities and and that's been part of our development I suppose over that time we probably knew a lot of the stuff we needed someone to tap us on the shoulder and say hey come on split them up get the mob sizes down smaller and those sort of things really starting to hone in on our nutrition requirements of the use at varying stages during pregnancy and probably really important for us where we've got multiple joinings during the year and and we've got so many different nutrition requirements along that journey and then you've got pastures at different stages during that 12-month period so yeah it's amazing what you can do with a bit of feed and whether it's in a cart in a bale or in the paddock and it's just that manipulation and it's not necessarily a lot of money it's about knowing our costs of what those the grain and hay is costing us and all we've probably also focused on you because we've been in a flock rebuild situation for the last four years it's been very much ewe lambs getting body size on growth rate before we're joining we've sort of got a rule of 45 kilos before we'll start joining also not letting them get too damn fat which for a clean skin sheep is a challenge they need to be on a pretty strict diet and it's amazing (laughs) what hay will do to keep them on that diet Forbes what are some of your research priorities for the improvement of lamb survival I've really trained as a reproductive physiologist and also a geneticist so I've sort of swapped swapped around a bit and because of my farming background I'm very interested in farm management and its application as well. With lamb survival in particular which has been a focus since the start of the sheep CRC back in about 2007 is really about genetic improvement of lamb survival and we always go through these arguments about well it's a half of a third of nothing that you can improve but the reality is somewhat different looking around the world there's been some really good work done particularly in South Africa on uh, selection for lamb survival somewhat indirect through multiple rearing ability and they've made some really good progress like you know they've improved survival by over admittedly a period of about 20 years by about 12 percent that's that's a lot particularly when you can't improve more than up to 100%. We need to get it in context. So obviously feeding and nutrition is incredibly important, but then you'd be crazy not to consider the opportunity from genetic improvement. So we've done quite a lot of work through the sheep CRC and then since then, and the areas that are really priorities at the moment, we figure that let's take a look at do we just treat all the mob as lamb survival regardless of whether it's single or a twin or a triplet and from a a point of view of how we treat that information we've found that if we actually identify in our analysis whether animal is single born or, or twin there's actually a lot more variation genetic variation in an animal that's born a twin or the mother is rearing twins, and same with triplets, than a single. And when you think about it, that's probably because environmentally they're under a lot more pressure and 
therefore the really resilient types show out a bit more. And so we're really trying to nail that at the moment and then build that into genetic evaluation systems that Australia uses, you know, Marino Select and Land Plan and so on. The next priority area is around a lot of the work of the sheep CRC and, and others found that majority of lambs really die from some form of birth injury, dystochia, difficult birth, shortage of oxygen and basically we're trying to work out well if we know that information can we actually improve our genetic programs taking that information into account and then an area I've done a bit of fair bit of work on is uh, related to are there some indirect measures of lamb survival which maybe are a bit easier to measure in the field which give us good information and we're talking here about things like scores of lamb vigour maternal behaviour score which is already starting to be built into some of the genetic evaluation programs things like rectal temperature which may be a bit challenging to measure but maybe we can measure it with infrared heat gun or something like that so we're working out what's the business case for those things it's one thing to biologically work out whether it's possible it's another thing to work out entirely whether it's actually pays in the field Charlie do you think adopting preg scanning in your business has helped you make more robust decisions on your farm and perhaps helped your business to become more resilient? Oh, definitely. As I probably said before, it, it's just a non-negotiable. We need every year to be pulling a weight. It just improves your selection if you keep putting the ones that aren't actually getting pregnant back in the flock it's not going to do you any good long term sometimes we're chucking them out after one go which is probably a bit harsh but want everyone to be a winner it's just dollars and and lambs slipping through our fingers we've done all the hard yards and it's just there for the opportunity and i think it'd be scary to work out the loss factor across all the sheep industry charlie what's next for you on farm Probably just keeping honing those 1% and 2% jobs. We've got to a point now where the business has pretty much rebuilt all our infrastructure. It's post-fire. haven't got any more country to close spread. There's always top-up work, I suppose. Key doing more work on our soils. At the end of the day, that's what drives a lot of our grass production. And within the sheep side of it, obviously... We're just starting on the AID in the next month and really excited about where that's going to take us. We're, we're starting off basic, but I'm really looking forward to tidying up the bell curve either end and seeing where some of the data leads us. I don't think we know exactly what we, we're going to get out of it totally yet, so that's going to be an exciting journey. And yeah, obviously I can see fetal age development during scanning is going to be a, another winner for us where we can put yep. them into earlies and lates and mids and all that just from a, a lambing point of view. That's just all there for the plucking now that we've got that information. Charlie and Forbes, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and being here. Today's episode is part of a broader project aimed at building the resilience and profitability of cropping and grazing farmers. The project is supported by Southern Farming Systems through funding from the Australian Government's National Land Care Program and the Grains Research and Development Corporation. 
The project is delivered by a consortium comprised of Southern Farming Systems, McKillop Farm Management Group, Agriculture KI, Federation University, Precision Agriculture, Glenelg Hopkins Catchment Management Authority, Australian Fertiliser Services Association, Victorian Lime Producers Association and the Victorian Department of Jobs, Precincts and Regions. We've also had MLA and AWI funding the project that Forbes is involved with. Thanks for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a McKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at McKillop Group or check out our website at mckillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time. 